Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. Indeed we do, Danny. And uh, Tim, I got a little something for you today. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, Danny, I also brought something in the studio with me today. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Which pocket is it in? <laughs> Here we go. Classic. Grab the Fernet, my friend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I will take one with you. Fernet, I can, I can use a shot. coin challenge. Here we go. <laughs> Danny getting owned. Oh, my gosh. Twice in a row. Oof. We, we still have the... Yeah, uh, uh, dirty <laughs> dirty copitas with the evaporated mezcal in there. Let me pour some Fernet. Uh, mine's a little bigger, Danny. <laughs> it's okay. That's it's okay. right. That's right. All right. Bottoms up. Cheers. Cheers, Tim. Party on. spicy <laughs> that's good all, all right, right. Well, that's a perfect segue that's great i'm uh sorry to foil your plan my friend yeah you're just too you just got the coin taped to you and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it surgically inserted into my calf oh, all right. yeah, yeah. well listeners thank you for bearing with us uh we have an exciting interview for you this week we have the co-founder and beverage specialist from hog salt Yes, we've got Gene tomorrow for you today. That's right. And Gene is a soft-spoken powerhouse within Hog Salt. She's been there, been there since, since the beginning yeah. um, and built out and developed all these incredible concepts, uh, handling all the beverage specifically, but doing much more than that as well. Yeah, they have a lot of my favorite concepts in Chicago, and it's cool to kind of peek behind the curtain and learn about how they are able to consistently deliver these places. Yeah, and new stuff coming up on the horizon as well that's right maybe even going international perhaps and maybe there's even a drive-through coming Uh oh (laughs) all right so without further ado please enjoy our conversation with gene tomorrow wait okay so, you no longer live in Chicago. This is true. And, yes. And how did this come to be? <laughs> I, my husband is from South Carolina. Yeah. And his parents still live down there. And I was um, in New York opening up Monkey Bar. And the restaurant was just like, as all restaurants are, very delayed in opening. And he took the kids down to South Carolina to visit his parents. And I, I get a call from him. He's like, hey, how's everything going? And I was like, oh, it's good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I need you to come down here this weekend. And I was like, oh, um, okay, like that wasn't really in the plans like what's going on he's like i just want you to see our house before we buy it (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) that is insane (laughs) yes danny that is (laughs) had you ever talked about moving to south carolina not i mean we we were at the time looking for a house in the suburbs of chicago okay which like quite different from south carolina was a nightmare and um like North Shore, where in the suburbs? Uh, any any suburb. Okay, cool. All <laughs> we, around. Yeah. yeah. Um, we just wanted, I mean, at the time we thought that we wanted something that had less taxes. And then like, you know, you do your research and you're like, oh, the taxes are just as high in the yeah, suburbs. Yeah. Um, and the, like the houses that we were looking at for the amount of money that we were willing to pay, I was like, what like (laughs) what and uh my husband is a huge golfer and he was golfing in south carolina and on the fourth hole there was this what was the course beautiful house uh willow creek okay and he's like always wanted to live on a golf course yeah i mean that's a dream of mine as well i would say there you go you already (laughs) live on the golf course what do you mean So as the recipient of a call like that, could you advise Danny to pull the same thing with his wife? No, I'm not. No, I do not offer any advice or I'm I'm not a proponent of that technique. I have a pretty funny story here. Uh, I was on a golf trip with my brother-in-law and he and his friends, they do a, a golf trip and they do it every year, usually in September. Somewhere in it can be in Michigan or Wisconsin, whatever. It's usually somewhere local ish to Chicago. And I was paired up with one of his friends, James, 
for this alternate shot, you know, the whole thing's like a big kind of Ryder Cup style competition the whole weekend. We're about to tee off. James gets a call from his wife who has put an offer in on a house unbeknownst to James. He's about to tee off. He gets this call from his wife like, just put in this offer. Hopefully it's accept. Like just, and he's like, what? Had he looked at this house? Or he had this... never seen this oh house. My God. She basically buys this house without communicating with him, without getting him to sign off on it. Wow. He's like, so every... So he'll like talk to her and then they hang up. He's like, all right, all right, I can play. He'd like hit a shot and then moments later be like back on a call with her. This entire round. Oh, nice. And he's just like losing it. He can't oh. focus. He's playing so poorly. I'm just in shock the whole time. What a move. It was insane. You're just like picturing if that happened to you. You're like, yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So when you finally saw the house, were you like, this is cool? Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was the same price as the houses that we were looking at in the suburbs, and like twenty nine times nicer and forty nine times bigger. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my my husband is a chef, and it has a commercial kitchen inside. Oh, so cool. He he saw the like for sale sign when he was golfing, and he called the realtor, and she lives in. The, we're like friends with her now. She lives in mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Yeah. And she like you can. She's so good. She's like, well, why don't I just meet you there after you golf? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like drinking on the course, and then he goes and sees this house, and is like, I gotta call Jean. Oh my god, how does your conversation with Brendan go after this? Yeah, that's um. That was an interesting one, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you travel a lot for Hogsalt stuff anyway. Exactly. For context for people listening. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was sort of like this serendipitous moment where a lot of executives were traveling so much for Hogsalt anyways. Um, and we had this conversation about, you know, like, does home base matter? You know, we have restaurants in New York and Las Vegas and Chicago, and we're opening one up in Paris this summer, uh, theoretically. We were supposed to open this restaurant when I was on maternity leave, and my daughter is a year old. (laughs) (laughs) But so when, so what is, how are you, um, you know, being utilized in the opening of a Paris concept? Like, how much do you have to be on site? Yeah. Are you mostly able to consult from afar? Well, how much requires being there? Yeah, um, I think that's a really excellent question, too, that we're going to sort of figure out. Um, you know, I, I don't really like to be away from my family for more than, uh, you know, like five, seven days, something like that. Yeah. Um, so we're, I think, going to have to be a little flexible and, like, see what's going to happen uh, with the Paris opening. Um Usually for Hogsall openings, like I, I'm there every day for the first couple weeks. Um, and I just my history and longevity with the company, I, I have a great eye for our standards and what we're known for. And that's so crucial in those like baby moments of a restaurant, um, which is totally achievable in Paris, just a little bit of a longer flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also to the Hogsall team is is growing and expanding and there's lots of amazing people on our team who are also very dedicated who also really care about that culture and those yeah. standards and ev- everybody wants to go to paris <laughs> yeah it sounds sweet <laughs> yeah when it's, you say i'm going to paris it's it's pretty people amazing. are like i'm not gonna feel too bad for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh. the, it's it's kind of funny, too. Like, so many people in our company now are just like, yeah, so I'm taking French class. <laughs> <laughs> and did, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Hogsalt has dabbled in European concepts before, right? Um, like, as, like, consultants? Yes. Didn't they do, st- yeah, yeah, you can tell me. But um, I remember some stuff. Yeah, we, in the very early stages of Hogsalt, um, consulted a little bit on Soho Properties, uh, in in London. Oh right, I remember that. And yeah. food too, right? Yeah, yeah. It was mostly food actually. Yeah, but um, then not for Chicago, right? No, which was weird. Yeah. Well, I think by the time Soho opened in Chicago, that you know they sort of had their own thing and mm-hmm. yeah. you know they're all in house. Yeah, yeah. So how many openings have you been a part of at this point in Hogsalt? Oh my gosh! I mean, all all of, all of them. them. No, I mean, how many? I'm just like, how many is that? Uh, Isn't the question. um, Probably, I'm probably upwards of 30 now. Do you have a hardest one and an easiest one? 
Oh, Danny, they're each their own unique flower. <laughs> <laughs> Is there one, though, where you were, like, losing sleep and you're like, I, I don't know? Um... Thinking pensively. Yeah. yeah. Being political. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the... No, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, there's tons and tons of success, so I'm not in yeah. no way trying to take away from that. But just you personally dealing with it from your perspective, like, I, you know, this thing should have been further along than it is now. Now it's a little bit stressful. We lost this key person. They just, like, walked out. Sure. Now we're scrambling or, you know. I... You know, I feel like at this point, all of, of all of those issues are very solvable. Yeah. Um. The, it's cool to get to that point. Yeah. Where you have enough like infrastructure to. To help. Yeah. Um. I think the ones that have been most difficult are, you know, there's so many restaurants that just don't resonate with guests, and you don't know why. Um. And I think like Dillman's was a great example of yeah. that. Yeah. And all of the like 29 concepts that we tried in that space after Dillman's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Dillman's. Some locations are just tough. Worth. Yeah, Dillman's was great. Yeah. I, I know, right? Or, was that the debut of the pastrami? Yes. That lives on today? You can still get it at Green Street, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 Nice, Tim. Thank you. I Good know. knowledge oh, there. Wow. I'm a pastrami enthusiast. Woo! <laughs> 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 I mean, pastrami is important. Yeah. Um, that one and Radio Nago. Oh, that was another great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, it wasn't a restaurant opening, but Mods. Okay, yeah. Know, towards the end was such a struggle and if you like talk to anyone about mods they'd be like oh my gosh no, mods yeah, is my favorite I, restaurant i love yeah. mods i miss it i love yeah. how dark it was i love being upstairs i love being given the heaven hill and the jiggers yes. that was such a good um, touch yeah i mean so many incredible meals there i guess we yeah. should I mean, explain for the listener the best seafood tower oh the seafood <laughs> tower yeah but um, you'd order you said if you said you want whiskey they'd come and just kind of drop a bottle on the table and say you can count your shots or we'll just eyeball it at the end yeah, which is like a honor system yeah yeah it's so cool it's so much fun back yeah. when you could even get like bonded heaven hill with that old aesthetic oh, now it's just I the know. bonded evan williams in our market here oh i love that bottle so much so same yeah. so pretty um yeah so how often were you traveling up into this uh south carolina house purchase Probably about two weeks out of the month, I would say. Um, and there are a few team, mem- a few other team members at Hogsalt that, that that's currently what I'm doing now. It's about two weeks home, two weeks on the road, and I, I think that that's pretty like standard for a few Hogsalt executives right now. Cool. Yeah. Um, if I can just ask you to scoot in a little bit. Oh, am I? <laughs> just like a tiny bit I'm a very opinionated but soft-spoken <laughs> yeah. person. <laughs> no, it's cool. I also can hear it very clearly, but I'm just but like looking at the, the levels. levels yeah. uh, so that's what's like giving me. We also have booming voices ourselves. Tim, Tim does. <laughs> Mine's very mumbly and quiet. So it's from one quiet person to the other. Just during the hard questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, so let's go. Let's go back to the very yeah. beginning. So you've been with Hog Salt since the very start. Where? Mm-hmm. When did you meet Brandon? Um, I met Brandon at L two O. I was an assistant sommelier at L two O, and he was a corporate chef um, for L two O. And um, he would like occasionally be around the restaurant doing things, and that's where we met. But it wasn't. Um, it wasn't like meaningful, right? Like I, we didn't even know each other, just like see him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really good friends with two line cooks at L2O, Jason and Sam, um, who had worked with Brendan previously in Colorado. And when Brendan opened up Gilbar, um, the Sam and Jason were like, hey, you should talk to Jean. We think she'd be a really great candidate for uh, a general manager. This is Jason Vaughn? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam, Jason Vaughn and Sam McCandless. Okay. Um, and I had, I had no management experience at all, uh, which was great because they had no money to pay a manager <laughs> with experience. It all worked out. <laughs> and it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. I was actually at the soft opening of Guilt Bar because uh-huh. my girlfriend at the time was the opening hostess. I think she only worked there for a couple months. What was her name? Victoria Reed. 
Oh, okay. Cool. I remember meeting Brendan, the young restaurateur. Yeah. Who seemed a little bit in over his head. And then next time I checked in, he had like 10 concepts. Like <laughs> this booming business. Yeah. So when did when did you know that Guilt Bar was going to open? Was that always the name of it? That, as far as I know, that was the name of it, like from when I came onto the project, which was... Um, I think like August or September of 2009 mm-hmm. and then the restaurant opened in February uh, February 23rd of 2010 and I remember that date because it's we got all of our liquor orders on the same day that we opened because oh it was gosh. like we got the license and we got to open so here we go <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> you like receive $30,000 worth of alcohol and then open up a restaurant all in one day <laughs> oh, and you're like I will remember these invoices for the rest of my life <laughs> how did it go from when you when you got the doors open from the 23rd on uh, it was a slow roll for the opening of Guild Bar. Um, you know, it was re- right around that time people were like just starting to crawl out of the recession uh, from 2008, which was an interesting time for restaurants. Um, people were trying new things. It was right when the Publican opened um, and right when cocktails were starting to become like available in restaurants. Um, the Violet Hour had just opened up a few years yeah. before. Yeah. Um, this is a really interesting time in restaurants, but uh, a slow go for that sleepy corner on Franklin and Kinsey. Um, and then I think it was about six or eight months after we opened, the New York Times mentioned Gilt Bar in their like 24 hours in Chicago oh, article. Cool. And that was just like off to the races. Mm, it, wow. Like you can, I have so many mixed feelings about food writing and press, um, but that article absolutely changed the trajectory of that restaurant and our company Hmm. and then at what point did you know the idea of mods and all the others like when did brendan start to focus on the next thing that was almost immediately okay Uh, i think the lease for mods was signed before that article came out in the times so even though things were not you know gangbusters not doing super well but they must have been doing well enough for brendan to risk it by signing another lease yeah i i think so i always think too that that's the great thing about working for hogsald is the next project is like always up and coming and um, because it's a an independent restaurant company i think that we tend to take more risks um, than some other restaurant groups yeah Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. How did you determine like what the Bev program should be for guilt or did you contribute? Like, were you overseeing Bev at that time in guilt? Yeah. Um, so I, I did everything at guilt bar. Um, but I, I think a like very little known fact about guilt bar is that Paul McGee did our opening menu, um, which was so amazing to see and just be able to like work with him and, I think the influence from that menu is still very evident in our company. Like we have not changed our old fashioned recipe yeah, in yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Paul did the opening uh, cocktail list and I did wine and beer. Um, and then things just sort of uh, slowly transitioned. Like the next time we made changes, I think that I made the changes instead of working with Paul. Again. Yeah. So did your kind of cocktail knowledge start with the Paul training? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I had, I was a server at spring before I worked at L2O and, um, spring actually had a, like a very small craft cocktail list, which was almost like unheard of for a restaurant at that Mm. time. But uh, (laughs) so amazing. Like during training, I'd be like, Oh, when when did we learn about the cocktails? And the servers were like, ah, it doesn't matter. And you're like, but, but why? And they're like, well, think of it this way: like you have this wine list here, and if you sell a hundred and twenty dollar bottle of wine, like you make so much more money than if you sell cocktails. And I, I was like, 
24 at the time. I was yeah. like, okay, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> like, <laughs> and if I ever heard someone training like that at one of our restaurants, I would be like, what? <laughs> Are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, so that's a good good segue into like, how what what is the training process like within Hog Salt? Because every time I go to a Hog Salt spot, it's mm-hmm. everyone's extremely welcoming. The service is always very good. How do you train to get to that? Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much. Like that's a, just such a wonderful compliment. Um, and I, I think before you even start training, it's like who do you hire, right? Like that welcoming component of it and that warmth. Like you're not going to train for that. Right? Yeah. You're not going to take someone who's like naturally like a surly, sarcastic person and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. like train them to be warm and welcoming. So the personality, the personality <laughs> so sets the Danny foundation. Danny can't work at Hog Salt. No, not even close. <laughs> Danny couldn't even interview at Hog Salt. <laughs> Uh, But then once you hire the right person, right? So someone, and um, we 100% look for that characteristic above skill level. So if you're interviewing two servers and one of them just has this resume that can't be beat, but they don't make great eye contact and they don't smile and they don't make you feel good during their interview and someone is, you know, they were a server assistant and a host and they really want their first crack at serving and they're all smiles and they just sort of like melt your heart during the interview would absolutely hire that person above the experienced server. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we do have a very detailed training program and almost all of our training programs are uh, anywhere from eight to 10 days, depending on where the restaurant is. Um, and all of our training programs are online. So every day when you come to, in theory, every day you come to the restaurant, uh, you get set up with your trainer and you have a track list of things online that you go through. So it's like, okay, today we did white wines by the glass and we went through the appetizer section of the menu. Like, do they have a laptop or an iPad or what is the, how is the online component accessed with the trainer? Yeah, they um, they have iPads in the restaurants, okay. and then um, all teammates have the ability to access the app like on their phone uh, with the password. So if you want to study at home um, or like review what you did that day or check out what you're doing tomorrow, uh, it's available to you at any time. Wow! So you guys have like an in-house app developer who is we, updating these? Yeah, we wow. do. Um, we. I th- I think right now we have three, um, actually. We do a lot with um, training in the app, a lot with um, like food and beverage recipes in the app. Um, and then one of my favorite things is if something is broken in the restaurant, you submit a maintenance request. That is very cool. Yeah. And then someone from our amazing uh, maintenance team comes to the restaurant and, and helps you fix it. And it shows how long the ticket's been open, like... This thing's been broken for a week, so it's priority or whatever. Nothing yeah. makes it to a week, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's different degrees of things. Yeah. Like there's a gouge in this, you know, in the wall in this bathroom. Yeah. It's probably not as priority as like this door won't lock. Yeah, or like the hoods aren't working yeah. or the bathroom's flooding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. So... Hog salt concepts all have a very cozy, kind of dark, vintage, but high-end vibe. Sure. Um, I'm friendly with Mary Kukulinski, who does a lot of your sourcing, I know. And she's uh, alluded to this, like, warehouse of fixtures, (laughs) where it's just like, I picture it like the end of uh, Indiana Jones or something, where it's just like endless vintage furniture. What's, uh, how how do you guys go about interior design and and sourcing all these things? Yeah, and that's um, another amazing component of uh, hog salt is that we do have an in-house design team um like from building and designing the restaurant to actually like 
hanging the artwork and choosing the frames and all of the all of these things um and I, i'm not 100 percent sure like exactly where they source everything um, but i do know it is a mixture of vintage um and also new pieces that fit our aesthetic and once upon a time i had heard that there were cardboard models of things like put in the spaces oh, yeah. does that still happen totally yeah that's yeah. very cool and it's I mean, no matter how many bars you design, right? Like bar setups, it's always, always like it comes and you're like, who designed this? Yeah. Why is this sink here? Why yeah. is the speed rail there? Yeah. I can't even see the rinser. Like every, every time it, it blows my mind. And we absolutely still have those moments, but um, the cardboard really helps you visualize. Yeah. There's a cardboard Paul McGee behind every bar. (laughs) (laughs) You got to make sure the beard fits. Yeah, they have to keep updating the beard. (laughs) They're running out of cardboard. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So now, you know, when new projects are coming down the pipeline, since Mm -hmm. you've done this a bunch of times at this point, um, how do you do the beverage concepting? Like, where do you start? Um, how does that take shape? Maybe you just like choose a concept that had a more involved beverage program and maybe how you worked on it. Sure. Um, I mean, let's, let's she's take... handing Danny a, an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's so different for every, um, every concept um but if you take like one of the more fun ones like radio and ago yeah right um we have taken a lot of r&d trips to japan um so i wanted to take a lot of that like traditional japanese like cultural heritage um and and bring it to the space but the space was so modern you know like the it had an edm soundtrack and a dance machine and just so many crazy things um so we really started brainstorming with like what traditional components we wanted to have at the restaurant and could have at the restaurant um and sort of like bridging that with modernity um and i i think for me the first part is always like mood boards or like visual boards where you um like an elevated version of like Pinterest or something, right? So you pick out like inspirational photos of like, oh yeah, like this sake cup, this colored drink, whatever, um, and make that board. And then from there, maybe you take that and like start working on cocktails. Yeah. And we, (laughs) when we were working on the Radio Nago menu, it was like, okay, in, you know, the Kill Bill with Uma Thurman and yeah. like the yellow suit. And there's that scene where the um, Japanese girls are like playing that. I think they were called like this five, six, seven, eights. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's that crazy scene going on there. And I was like, what would they drink there? Like if they were going to drink something in this movie, like that's the kind of drink that we would want to have at Radio Anago. So sort of like those obscure, like ideas and references as an overarching theme and then you start with the visuals and then like actually start making drinks um and for me a lot of times like the actual making of the drink is the last the last step of that um because i like to visualize things i like to conceptualize things and also any like anytime you use product now you're like using money and yeah. i mm-hmm. i like that part to be succinct um, and if we ha- are going to make 20 versions of a drink before we get to the right drink, that's totally cool. But I want to make sure that I've taken it as far as I can and I've done my homework before we get to that point. Yeah. And do you know, like, the structure of the menu ahead of time? Like, I want to have, you know, five sakas, 10 cocktails, three wine, you know, do you set it up like that in a structure? Or it's kind of like, depending on all the things that you taste leading into it, that will determine how many you put on. Yeah, that part for me is usually a little bit more flexible. Okay. Um, but sometimes we'll go into a concept and we'll know, like, Chicho Mio is an Italian restaurant, so we know we wanted to have a bigger wine list and a smaller cocktail list. Right. Um, so, like, the broad strokes like that. Okay, cool. But I, I rarely start off with, like, oh, yeah, we're going to have three old fashions, like, three martinis, and four daisies. Yeah, okay. 
I love Chicho Mio. I just had to say it. (laughs) That is like such a cozy spot. It's like my favorite place to go in the winter. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah, that, um, I think Chicho Mio is really when like the hog salt aesthetic, it's when people started to be like, oh, like this is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is how these restaurants are starting to be styled and dialed. Yeah. Um, so at what point did you guys, cause recently you've started buying existing places like monkey bar and, um, uh, what was the, uh, Lania Brava yeah. as well. What, what was that decision like to take over places that weren't like conceptualized by you guys? I think it's just sort of like the right place at the right time and, and the right opportunity. Um, and monkey bar, that dining room is so beautiful and so special and when you even before we owned it like you would walk into that dining room and you can like feel the energy i had never been in a dining room like that before where you like feel the energy of the dining room it's like a circular vortex or something and you're like <laughs> oh i i understand um and if you notice like the Tripoli dining room is mirrored after that moment of monkey bar where you like walk into the dining room and it's symmetrical on both sides and it's like a moment to see and be seen yeah and and i think just presented with that opportunity at monkey bar i was like oh yeah this is such a historical place yeah when when did it open i think in the 1940s something like that um, and the murals on the wall are from like the 1980s and the 1990s. And those are like caricatures, right? Yeah. I and mean, we actually found there's two sets of murals. Um, there's caricatures in the main dining room. And then um, in the bar area, there's monkeys. And we actually found the artist who made, who did the monkey murals. And she came back and did some more in the main dining room. Oh, that's cool. That is really um, cool. Which was really cool. And that was another thing, too. Like, once she made those mural updates in the main dining room, it was like the energy in the dining room changed. It, like, came to life in a different way. Hmm. Um and it, I think it's just another one of those indications of, like, design of a restaurant and how you feel and what you see in a restaurant has such an impact on you, even before you talk to one person or receive one drink or one thing to eat. Yeah. Can we talk Ocheval for a minute? Sure. Okay. So <laughs> I think right out of the gates, you guys got named, like, best burger in the country or yeah. something. Can, what, what did that do to business? And how did you guys, well, I know you talked a little bit about maybe um, publications covering, you know, any sort of PR is like a double-edged sword, but is that an indication where you guys were completely over, or, or a situation where you were completely overwhelmed or were you like, this is amazing? How was that handled? And yeah. what was the effect, I guess? Yeah. Um, I think that was another, I mean, Ocheval was doing well before that came out. Um, and Ocheval was sort of... Um, like very loosely inspired by the um, M. Wells Diner in New York that has since closed. Um, and I, I think when Ocheval opened, you know, everyone was really proud of the burger and loved the burger and we spent so much time on it, but it was by no means like the centerpiece of the, <laughs> that restaurant. <laughs> um, and then when that, that food piece came out, um, of course, everyone was so excited that that any way you cut it that's cool if somebody is like wow you have the best of this in the entire country like what an amazing honor um and it did increase business uh, quite a bit um and i think it was handled very well and is handled very well today um i think just the hardest thing about that is is expectations and meeting expectations and managing expectations and um and you still, you know, even today get the occasional person that's like, this burger wasn't worth a three-hour wait. And it's like, yeah, and you're like, that's impossible. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I hear you. It's not supposed to be worth a three-hour <laughs> yeah. wait. Yeah, you're like, I don't want to wait three hours for anything. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's uh, the famous story of making Jay-Z and Beyonce wait three hours for the burger. Is that fact <laughs> or fiction? That is fact. Okay. Yeah. No one is immune. <laughs> no one. Yes. That. Not, not even American royalty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that that's another thing you know that I'm really proud about at Hogsall is one of our 
values is, you know, if you're going to go to Babette's and spend $1,000 on a bottle of wine and get the $150 porterhouse, um, or, or if you're going to go to Ocheval and get the burger and have a PBR, like both of those guests are equally important to us um, and we care about them just as much. And it doesn't matter if you are bringing your mom to Ocheval for the first time because you wanted to show her the burger or if Jay-Z and Beyonce are coming there after the concert, like you're both equally as important to Ocheval. Yeah. And you both have to be on the wait list. Yeah. And that's something I've appreciated about, about the menus is there are, there's a range of prices. If you want to throw down and have a baller meal and get a seafood tower, you can do that, but you can also get a, you know, two or $3 PBR yeah. or whatever the low end beer is at the time. It's cool. And then can you clarify the difference between the Ocheval burger and the small Cheval burger for the listeners? Sure. Absolutely. Um, and I, I hope I, I do a good job of this because I, you know, my knowledge is in beverage and I, I don't always have the yeah, most specific knowledge under, yeah, of this culinary. Is, this is a lot of pressure. For, yeah. um, the small Cheval burger is literally a bit smaller. Um, I think it's a six ounce burger versus the eight ounce burger at Ocheval. Um, and the, the bacon is very different at Small Cheval versus Ocheval. Um, at Ocheval, we have the thicker Thick cut. cut. It's mm-hmm. like almost like pork belly and yeah. it has the maple and the black pepper. Uh, and at Small Cheval, the bacon is a little bit more of like that crispy diner style uh, hmm. bacon. I guess I didn't even know any of that. I mean, I don't get bacon on my burger, so I wouldn't have known it, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would say that those are um, the two biggest differences. Hmm. Okay. Because I had a um, I had a, a conversation a couple of days ago on my way to the airport with my Uber driver, and she was asking me, and I'm like, you know, I'm not really sure exactly. I knew I know that they are different, though. Yes. Like I am not an Oxalt expert. <laughs> we were talking about Gene is. We were talking yeah. best burgers in the city, and she's like, I was like, oh well, you know, a lot of people say it's Ocheval. She's like, well, she's like, yeah, I've been to Small Cheval. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and I mean, the Small Cheval burger is amazing too i that's I my love this mom's favorite burger, burger when really? she comes here yeah oh, it's great that's so cool yeah um and i also at small cheval i love the plant-based burger and the lettuce wrap yeah it's also really good Never and i done think that. a lot of people don't know that there's a vegetarian option hmm. at small cheval um which is kind of cool too yeah and i also to just like a quick note on like is it the best do we think it's the best I really think that that is like for each person to decide yeah, of it's so on their own, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's the best yeah. burger. I think especially with foods like burgers or like roast chicken, spaghetti and meatballs, like people grow up eating these foods. Yeah, and, we just had this. Yeah. And so true. I mean, it's like <clears throat> whatever the first burger you loved in your life, that's kind of the, the burger the first yeah. cut is the deepest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like every time you have a burger, you think about that burger that you first had yeah. or your mom made for you yeah, or exactly. all the things. And like those memories are so important in choosing what's best for you. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Austin's feedback on like, you know, you were alluded to it before, but you're married to someone with a major culinary background who does this professionally. Yeah. Um, do you, does he have like input for you? He's been to every concept, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then how is that feedback taken by you? Do you ever like pass things along? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, just knowing Austin, he is such a supporter and such a positive person. Um, and, and honestly, like his support is such a huge um, part of my success at Hogsalt and, and just success in general. Um, he he does occasionally pass things along, which I think are like really helpful and positive. And I think that's another reason why Hogsalt is so successful is we really welcome feedback um, from whatever avenue it comes in. Um, we have this another thing in the app is called dining feedback um, where anytime you know if you're a manager or an executive and you have a, a discount when you go to the restaurant um, you fill out essentially like a dining report that goes to everyone um, for them to read and take that feedback and and make improvements and I think that just that ability to take feedback and receive feedback and know that feedback is not personal yeah uh, is is really important that's and the hardest thing I to love. convey Oh my gosh. That it's mm-hmm. not personal. Yeah. And I, when I was 
younger, that was really hard for me. Like I just took everything so personally. Um, and, and now I'm just like, I've, I, I like don't have the capacity for offense at all. <laughs> I just like, yeah, what, gonna, what are we doing? I was going to ask how you, how you got over that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I still struggle with that really? all the time. Just taking things personally that I shouldn't. Yeah. Um, you ignore the thousand compliments and you, yeah, I never, like, hey, yeah, one, I never hear the compliments. Only, like that's, I never remember any of that. Yeah. It's like just whatever the critique was. That's like what I'm fixated on. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, you can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do must it. be a, a volume thing. Yeah, it, it is. I yeah. mean, for me personally, there, there's so much going on, um, every day at work. And then also when you have a, a family, like I, I just, I don't have time to like worry about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, if somebody has feedback, I'm like, cool, let's do this. Let's fix this. Let's get better. Let's move on. Like I, I want to move on. I want to do the next thing. I I want to address this and and move on. Is there a good example of feedback from inside the company that's led to a system changing or process or something like that? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, what's next? You're kind of putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, this one <laughs> wasn't it. It wasn't like submitted through dining feedback or whatever, uh, but I, I remember uh, being at the bar at Guild Bar, and they were like training a bartender, and I could I could see them be like, "Oh, Jean's here, Jean's here," and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> "Like what? What could this possibly be about? Like what's going on?" And it was um, we used to dry shake for egg white cocktails, drinks, yeah. and then like somebody realize that if you put a couple cubes of the pebble dice in with your ice cubes you can just do like one long hard shake and still have this like really beautiful um egg white drink and it saves a bunch of time and easier for everyone and we had the whiskey sour on the guilt bar menu which they it was so good and we sold so many of them every night and said you know it's hard to have a egg white drink on a high volume um cocktail menu it's <laughs> like why why would no one be like hey I have this really great idea for a new technique that's going to give us the same result and save everyone time. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, oh, why would we not do this? <laughs> and yeah. I, I think, um, you know, that's an example of like feedback and openness and directness. Um, and it, I think, going both ways too. And I, I think that that's another hard part in any company is um, having a culture where people feel like they want to bring up ideas and they want to incur change um but also that someone's going to be open to that change and like hear that idea out right because there's nothing shittier than someone being like i have this great idea and you're like absolutely not we're not yeah that pebble ice reminded me that for my 30th birthday I used hog salt pebbled ice. Um, we, we went out to Arlington Racetrack. We took a bus out. I had everybody meet at my house for mint juleps beforehand. And oh, Ryan nice. Wagner was nice enough to oh. hook me up with a ton of pebble ice for the juleps. That's so cool. Yeah. We watched uh, Caddyshack on the bus. On our way out to the... <laughs> and that really stuck. You'd only watch that one time. And it just stuck in your mind. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah. We watched that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off on the way home. All the people were so goofed up on the way home. I don't think anyone was watching anything. <laughs> Just, that was a their great eyes birthday. are just rolling in their heads. <laughs> um, yeah, we actually just we were going over the new menu for Scoffle, and there were two egg white drinks that kind of made it into the finals. And we just dropped egg white from one of them because we're like just it's so too hard. annoying to yeah. have two. You don't have the pebble ice machine, do you? We oh yeah, you do for the swizzles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, it's yeah. just a lot. The and then shake like, and, and then rinsing the shakers yeah, out, exactly. and then you got egg whites in your next three drinks, and hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when you do work on a, a beverage concept from kind of start to finish, how many sets of eyes does it pass through? Or is it just you and Brendan and then it's live? Oh, no. Um, so many, so many sets of eyes. Um, and there are a couple um, members of leadership and also bartenders at Hogsalt that I love working with. Um, yeah. And I love hearing other people's ideas. Um, so I'll 
like from the get-go I'll like um Erin Kaiser at Armitage Jailhouse love working with her I'll be like Erin this is what we're doing you know here's the broad strokes let me know if you have any ideas and we'll both brainstorm then we get together make drinks um we we always work off of Google Doc that vision board make changes to that Google Doc to that vision board even like drinks if I'm not you like try and you're like oh this is a banger I love this one yeah like I have to try that again. I have to drink it again at least one more time before it gets on a menu. Um, Because I think when you're tasting a bunch of drinks, having an R&D session, um, your palate gets very tired quickly. Your mind changes very quickly. Um, So I, I always like to evaluate multiple times and have multiple people's opinions, even if like you know, for R&D too, I love to do it right when the restaurant opens in like the slow, you know, 20, 30 minutes um, because your your bar is already all set up, saves you in cleanup and setup. And then I also love to, you know, bartenders, managers, servers who are around be like, hey, try this. What do you think? Um, yeah. And I even those quick like first opinions from people, I think are so helpful. Yeah. I mean, I definitely... Um, identify with that trick of working in the first 30 minutes of oh, an open yeah. so that you don't just set everything up yourself. And yeah. You're just like, oh, everything's all set up. I guess I'm just going to work on a few drinks while yeah. you guys are here. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so much easier. It is. Because if so you come much in in the easier. morning and you're like, oh, I got to ice all these wells, like yeah. cup garnish, got to do everything. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going to work on these three drinks today. These are the ingredients. And then inevitably, like within the first nine seconds of the first drink, you're like, I need cilantro. And yeah, you're, like, you're like running down. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's cool that you're that that's your approach and that you take on all the feedback, and kind of refine it. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. The ideal. And then even um, we do pretty extensive friends and families for a new Hogsalt opening, and there's always like this ongoing joke that we like secretly open restaurants because we don't do like big PR things. I can confirm that you do secretly open restaurants <laughs> because we, uh, I live across from the new uh, small Cheval in, on uh, Ada Yeah. and uh, my wife was coming home and she's like, I just got a free burger. <laughs> she's, like, I, I, she's like, I noticed the restaurant was open. <laughs> we have free burgers, so sorry to blow that up. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, oh, they're on to us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, and this may sound cheesy, but I think it's a wonderful honor when someone comes to your restaurant and spends money in your restaurant. And when we open a new restaurant, we, we just want to make sure that we're in a good spot and that we are providing an exemplary experience before we welcome guests into our space and with a restaurant opening there are so many things that can go wrong um from staffing from design from construction from licensing um and you don't have a horror story that comes to mind of like the worst kind of uh emergency that you faced in an opening well, I, I think one of the reasons why we don't, I mean, it depends on your definition of a horror story, <laughs> is we don't have these big dates where, like, you told yeah, well, the pressures, yeah. every food publication in town you're opening on September 9th and you have somebody's wedding booked on September 10th. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's when horror stories happen. Yeah, poor planning. That's a huge yeah. luxury, having the time. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing worse than for, on the uniform side of things, like when people are like, we have this event, we've got to get stuff. And, and when they're like, they don't have their staff hired, they haven't oh. submitted their order for uniforms, and then we have to rush something that we haven't had time to test in-house, that's really stressful. Putting an untested garment on somebody for service when before it's ready, uh-uh, we don't, we don't like rush orders. It's yeah. on a new product, on our, on our in-stock stuff, yeah, you know it's good, good to go, never a problem. But if there's someone's like very particular, like we've got to have this one specific silk, and, it's, and I'm like, you know, still silk's not great for hospitality <laughs> uniforms. They're like, no, it's got to be this. The interior designers love it, and uh, then inevitably they're like, well, this is tearing at the seams. They're like, I told yeah. you, and now they're open, and yeah. Oh man, that that is one thing that I love about having an in-house design team is they. Uh, we work very closely with operations team and design team. So it's, you don't have as many of those decisions where it's like a, a an interior designer that's like, 
oh my god the surface of this fabric is amazing and you're like someone's gonna spill something on that and it's gonna be there for mm-hmm. the rest of our lives mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um okay so paris is coming yeah any other projects on the horizon that you want to talk about that you're excited about different cities do we know the concept in paris can we talk about it we are still developing the the concept um but i i suspect it will be a lot of the hog salt classics um it's another small cheval yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what that that's so funny um we when we're talking about uh in things that we've done in europe we did do a small cheval pop-up in paris i think it was like five or six years ago um that was so so much fun um, I'd imagine that was very well attended. Yes. Yeah. That was, it was crazy. Like the chefs would be like made, like blanching fries all night long <laughs> because of the, the volume. It was absolutely insane, uh, but so much fun. It's a cool one. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So anything that you want to get to that we haven't gotten to before we go to the gratuity round? No, I think that's it. And that, She's uh, as of right now, that is the only like, the Paris restaurant is the only, like, finite restaurant on the horizon. Like, pending actual space. Yeah. How many small chevals do you want there to be, or does Hog Salt want there to be? That's a, a great question. Um, you know, I think we're still exploring that, and yeah. we're going to open them one up in the suburbs um, soon uh, in Rosemont. Okay, I guess cool. that's another project yeah, yeah, on the horizon. Uh, and I just we, knew I could trick you into talking <laughs> about uh, And we just opened up the one, there's two now, one inside Wrigley Field and one just outside of Wrigley oh, cool. Field. Um, it's really exciting. And the one um, outside of, just outside has a full bar. So it's a full oh, small, wow. small small with a full bar, huh. uh, which is really exciting. Um, and I, I think it's more just not like how many we want, but how many guests want. Yeah. And you have almost, it's, I mean, I was just briefly going through the website. It seems like there's kind of a a separate team forming just to deal with the small Chevals. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, Kim Leali who is amazing and she's the essentially like, um, executive, uh, operating partner for small Chevals, um, which is great because the brand is becoming, you know, such its own niche um, that it really is getting to a point where they need their their own leadership team. Yeah, that's cool. All right, Sweet. Sweet. Around. Let's Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin. Complete your bar. All right, Jean, what's your death row meal? Uh, my death row meal would 100% be dry-aged ribeye. Um, and... Is there a, I mean, not to get too specific yeah. here on you, but how many days age is this dry age ribeye? I like around 40, okay, cool. um, which isn't, you know, I, I think some of the ones that are like 90 days, you're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little much, blue yeah. cheesy for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like 30, 35 to 45 days. Cool. Yeah. And do you have a favorite one from a restaurant that you'd want to name or um, is that an in-house thing? Right now, uh, in New York at Monkey Bar, we have um, the Snake River Wagyu. It's like, uh, so it's a Japanese uh, Wagyu breed uh, mixed with an American breed. So it is uh, actually dry ribeye with that sort of like uh, well-marbled Wagyu texture. And it is honestly one of the best cuts of meat that I've ever tried. Trip to New York, Danny? <laughs> yeah, with Gene. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your favorite hidden gem restaurant? Um, it can my... be in South Carolina. <laughs> Ideally, Chicago. It's too new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my son is four years old, and he 
loves hibachi <laughs> and it's so terrible it's so terrible and he like just like every week is like can we go to hibachi I'm like, oh my god <laughs> i can't see any more hibachi volcanoes yeah except the onions yeah. yeah um my favorite hidden gem restaurant is the odeon um in new york Okay. Uh, down in Tribeca. Uh, it's, it's been there since the mid-80s um, and is is one of those rare places in New York that is like warm and welcoming and you can always find a seat at the bar um, and it just feels like one of those like homes away from homes. That's a good one. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite fast food? A small cheval. That's not fast food. That's fast casual. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, favorite fast food? Food. Has to have a drive-through, I guess. The one in Rosemont's gonna have a drive-through. Touche. I feel like I mean that's pretty like good news. Like that is big news. I feel yeah. that yeah. you're developing a place the drive a small cheval that's gonna have drive-through. Yeah, it's super big news. Yeah. Um, but if I if I had to choose um, outside of small cheval, I would say probably uh, Culver's. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's Tim. It's just nonstop about Culver's. Yeah. It's that, the best. The butter burger, man. It's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And it's I like their fantastic. Uh, ice cream selections, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ice cream is I've recently superior. gotten into their ice cream. It is, uh, it's really, really good. I mean, it's so custard. Good. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and even though I'm not um, a huge fan of the actual chicken at Chick-fil-A, I will say, like, going into those places everyone at chick-fil-a is so nice yes like i it's kind of like almost disarming when you walk in yeah. you're like where am i, no, I don't know. yeah i've noticed that yeah yeah i i'm yeah i think that's like the cognitive dissonance fast food experience where you're like man i actually like the chicken and i'll go first and I'm like, this is great but it kind of feels i feel bad going there yeah but everyone's so nice and welcoming yeah and just like the political stuff yeah yeah totally. not not ideal yeah. yeah i try not to focus on it as i'm enjoying a number one with lemonade <laughs> As you're inhaling it, one bite. <laughs> Waffle fries. Anyway, uh, what is your favorite cocktail? Oh, absolutely a Vesper. Easy answer. Yeah. Didn't What's even have build? to think about it. Uh, my build is ounce and a half vodka. Um, I like the Nuit Blanche, the house uh, vodka at Hogsalt. Um, for gin, I would absolutely choose a Japanese gin, uh, Nika coffee or Kenobi. And then I 100% like Koki Americano instead of Lille. Okay, yeah, great. Cool. Got it. And you got any, like, are you doing orange peel garnish? Are you doing, like, a spray of lemon peel? What's your garnish there? I like the lemon peel. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, occasionally, I will um, make a Vesper with Bar Hill gin, yeah. which is so good. And if I use the Bar Hill gin, I like it orange. Because of the honey. And yeah. Cool. Like the Nice. Speaking the same language. Yeah. All right, what trivia category would you dominate? Well, sorry, one sec. Uh-oh. If you go back, <laughs> if you go to a place that you're just ordering off the cocktail menu, what is a cocktail that you would gravitate toward? Like a stirred, kind of boozy, clear-spirited selection, like a Vesper, or like are there ingredients that kind of pull you? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm like a... Anything clear and stirred, that's my first go-to. Aside from that, I love gin. Um, I love a great Negroni. Um, I I really, when it comes to cocktails, I love the simples and the classics. Great. Are you equal parts on the Negroni? No, no. I like an ounce and a half of gin and then three-quarter of the Campari and the Sweet Vermouth. Okay. Uh, Now, what is your favorite trivia category? (laughs) Man, I... Not favorite, I guess. What would you down? Is there? Do you have like a very specific knowledge of an obscure topic, other than vespers? Like twenty vesper questions. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would do really well in a vesper category. Oh man! Oh my god! Just go on Jeopardy in the categories of vesper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every heading. <laughs> It's just the scooter, though, not the cocktail. And you're like, no, I was so excited. That's not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be like variations of the Vespa. I'm like, the Vespa at Monteverde with the olive oil washed gin. Oh, boom. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, maybe martini variations. That would be the, uh, right, the Jeopardy category that I would excel in. What's your top martini build? 
Uh, three ounces gin, one ounce dry vermouth. Okay. And I, I like olives and a lemon twist. Nice. Yeah. The monkey bar martini. If we do Castle Vitrano olives and a lemon twist. Oh, nice. You don't have to choose. Yeah, that's great. All right. What is some... Oh, sorry. No. What... To what do you do, attribute your success? Uh, positivity, flexibility, and just like brute force hard work. <laughs> I've never tried any of those things. I should, <laughs> should, I should make some changes. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, what is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you? Oh, man. Um, restaurants or bars that say they're open until 10 p.m., and you get there at like 9.55 and they're like, no, we're not serving anymore. Yeah. And you're like, you said 10. Yeah. I've got five minutes. And yeah. they're like, nope. Um, at, at Hawksall, we have this thing called the 15-15 rule, which means that 15 minutes before we open our doors on like yeah, post hours. Yeah, you be ready to take a guess. Yeah, we open 15 minutes before. So we're like open and ready 15 minutes before our doors open. And then if we close at 10 p.m., we will seat guests until 10.15. 10, 15. That's cool. And when we were in New York opening up Monkey Bar, you it was just like delay, delay, delay. And so you'd be like working in the restaurant all day. There's no food. And you're like in a hotel at night. And it would be 10 o'clock in Midtown. And you're like, okay, we researched. Like this restaurant's open till 10. Everybody shut down their laptops. Like we're going to roll over. And you'd get there like... 9 45 and then be like oh no and you're like what so frustrating and you're like starving yeah it it happened so much that we called it the new york reverse 30 30 so like 30 minutes after and i i went to uh it was so funny into a coffee shop and they were supposed to open at eight and they were like known for their cold brew or something so i was like oh cool i want to go there i want to check out this famous cold brew and it was like 8:05, and there like there was no one in there all the but all the lights were on and you could tell that they had like their pastry order was there like the box was on the counter and i was like oh my god i was like i i was like i know that like whoever was supposed to open this restaurant got here in time and they must have fallen in the walk-in or something that's the only reason for this i was like genuinely worried yeah and i went to the office building next door and i talked to the door guy and i was like hey i want to let you know i think someone may be hurt over there blah 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 and he was like it's just a bunch of kids this happens a lot i was like oh man (laughs) (laughs) the genuine concern so good five minutes in <laughs> i was not aware of the 15 15 rule but i i was like i said i live across from the small shawl in the west loop and mm-hmm. it was like 10 o'clock and i'm like shit i gotta have something some quick and i'm like ran over there it was like 10 o'clock on the dot i went in like the place was spotless they'd already cleaned it and i'm like are you guys still making food They're like yeah absolutely come on in and they were oh, so nice so about cool. it and i actually sat in there and ate and talked to them and because i you know like at the end of the shift like people want to go home but like I didn't feel unwelcome. But Tim didn't want to go home. I stayed for two, I stayed for two <laughs> more hours. I want to go home. Tim was like, uh, I'm just going to kick my feet up. Is that cool with everyone here? He's like, can I get another old-fashioned? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything and... about to go bad? Do you want to serve me? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll take that out to the dumpster for you. <laughs> All right. And then our last question. This is our new last question. Ooh. Yeah, we got some feedback. We're, we're trying it out. We got feedback. We, as trying mentioned, to be positive. In our last episode. Gene yeah. style. Yeah, yeah we don't want to. We don't want to end on the negative note yeah. of the uh, annoying bar restaurant thing. So our new last question is, what is the best thing about Chicago's dining scene? Oh, that's easy. I mean, I think the best thing about Chicago's dining scene is the, like, first, that Midwestern hospitality. Like, people here, I think, are genuinely nice have genuine warmth and like welcomingness like in their nature um, but then I also think um, just because rents here are cheaper than New York that people try more innovative things um, can take greater risks um, so I, I think just like the diversity of the culinary scene here um, and all the different offerings is is something really amazing and unique to Chicago how long have you not lived here for we moved to South Carolina in August. Wow. Yeah. It's Do been, you miss uh, it? 
like six months of hibachi. <laughs> oh, actually, I went with my brother-in-law to South Carolina because we were lucky enough to go to the Masters last year. Oh, and that's the so place cool. that we were staying had, it was like our only food option was this hibachi place across the street. <laughs> There's and so many. And we hadn't done it. Like, I haven't been there since I was like a kid, like, you know, to Benihana as a kid. And this was like a random one. I think it was called like Kyoto or something like that. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was like fun, but yeah, so funny. And uh, we were just like kind of laughing the whole time. Yeah, it's like such a silly. It's so silly, silly vibe. Did you catch a shrimp in your mouth? <laughs> I didn't catch a shrimp in my mouth. But... <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. One last question: When you do come back to town, are there places you want to hit? Restaurants? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, I love dining out in other restaurants. I think that that's one of my favorite parts about working in this industry is seeing what other people are doing um, and getting you know, ideas and inspiration from other colleagues. Um, Chicago restaurants that I've loved lately, uh, Obelix, has been amazing. I really need to go there. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Lay Select has had a few, like, pretty unfortunate food press reviews, which, like, food press is its own thing. Um, I had a wonderful time there, and I thought that there were a lot of high points to the meal. It is a gorgeous restaurant. Yeah. So gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. My cousin Rachel will be very excited that you just said that about Lay Select. She took over marketing in Boca Group. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's amazing. How new is it? Did I know that? Uh, it's pretty new. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, the gig for her. But Lay Select oh. is obviously also very new as well. Yeah. I didn't comment on the food because I haven't eaten there, but we did a photo shoot in there last week, and oh, cool. the space is really beautiful. We did their uniforms. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Looks yeah. like we got to check yeah. it out. That's like one of... Um, that was one of my favorite parts about not favorite parts about the meal, but I thought a high point for me is like, I love getting dressed up to go out and I love it when people who work in the restaurant, you can tell from their appearance that they want to be there. They're dressed for success. Like they're in it. Too. Yeah. We yeah. use the staff as models, which we do for all of our case study shoots, but yeah, they were, they were very into it. It was cool. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to, um, Asador Bastian. Tonight. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Paul did the beverage there. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, but I was looking on the menu and they have like a martini section and it's like the coldest in town or something. I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. Yeah. Peep their there uniforms too. Oh, did you? Another that stock you account. Nice. <laughs> We're going for the full Boom. monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago. All right. Well, that's, that's sweet. That was our last question. Gene, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank yeah thanks you for being guys. here. Thank you so much for having me. That concludes our conversation with Gene Tomorrow of Hog Salt. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to drop a review if you're so inclined and let us know what you think of the pod. We are open to positive feedback only. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're too delicate. <laughs> we can't we can handle, handle it. it. Take no it too way. personally. We yeah. discussed it in the episode. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got weekly uh, reels coming your way on Joiner's Pod at Instagram. We've got recipes as well tailored to our guests' preferences. And don't forget to like and subscribe. I know Tim kind of already mentioned leaving a review, but like and subscribe, baby. And this episode was produced by Matt Haddock and music by Captain Cuts and video content, etc. by Joe Guzzo. The Guzmeister. Joe Guzzo the third. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.